one, I don't think the mayor should be involved in appointing members because, as we've heard so often, the mayor is the head of the police department. Whoever the, you know, Jacob Fry, whoever succeeds him, whomever. That person is the head of the police department. So for that person to control who's on the commission, even if they appoint exactly the same people I would appoint, there still is this appearance of, you know, trying to doctor the system a little bit. Yeah, essentially, this commission is to do oversight on whether the mayor is doing good, a good job in his role as the boss of MPD. We're rolling. We're rolling. This is a real, real thing. Real, 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 real thing. We're in the wedge neighborhood right now, 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 right now. How do you feel? Do you feel good? About? In your life. In my life, I feel great. Okay. In my life, I feel great. These are the questions I ask to make me and my guests comfortable. So that we don't come into it sounding stale. Just a little existential. I, you know, I I have a really nice life. Um, this ordinance has got me all wound up. Okay. It's got me so all... you're, you're a good guest to have. You're exactly I the suppose. person that I wanted to talk about this. I suppose. This is the Wedge Live podcast. I'm your host, John Edwards. And today we're going to talk about police accountability, a big topic in Minneapolis. Uh, and my guest is Abigail Sarah. Who knows something about police accountability and commissions. So I guess I should introduce it a little more than that. Minneapolis has something called the Police Conduct Oversight Commission. It's We're going to get into like acronyms. And I hope, I hope we could just limit it to like old commission versus new commission. Maybe that's how we should talk about it. I think that's a good idea. Okay. And uh, so anyway... We're getting rid of the old commission, bringing in a new commission, uh, and combining some roles of two different em- entities, the, the Police Conduct Oversight Commission, the old commission, and like police conduct review panels. Am I explaining this in a way that an average person can understand it, the uh, basics? I mean, I don't know. It's pretty confusing and convoluted, so... I mean, I think a person just kind of has to sit with it for a while before it all sinks in and mushes together. And I, and just just a little technicality, because I'm a lawyer and I have a lawyer brain, it's not for sure this is happening. This is just what the proposal is, and I Correct. believe the council's going to vote next week. Yeah, so. they, just, they just had a public hearing, and the week that this airs, the full city council may vote on a, a version of this. And so now now we can start talking about it. And I think we should like we should sell like what the mayor and his administration thinks are the good points about this, because I think we're going to spend a lot of time being very skeptical about it. So one one of the pros is that uh, commissioners will gain firsthand experience serving on both the review panels 
and the commission. They will bring the experience from the review panels to their their role on the commission. I think that's a good thing. That's a good thing. So you were you were chair of the Police Conduct Oversight Commission. For a little and, bit, yeah. And you left that role saying that you spent a lot of time just fighting for it to exist. Can you like explain maybe some of the problems with with your experience on uh, the old commission? Yeah, I think when I said I was fighting for it just to exist, um, the whole time I was on the commission from 2020 through 2022, um, we struggled to keep enough members even to make quorum. Uh, and quorum was four. So if we didn't have four people present at the meeting, we couldn't hold the meeting. It's just the rules. Um, and it, we we would ask the mayor and the council to appoint more people so that we could get back up to quorum. And, uh, and it just, we were on again, off again, on again, off again in two really important years. Uh, so that was frustrating. And then when we did meet, um, I thought we did a lot of great work. We had speakers from all over the country. We had people from the community calling in. We had media from all over the country, even like the BBC would sometimes contact us, you know, um, and we had a really eager, cohesive, thoughtful group. I thought we worked really well together when we were together, <laughs> you know, when we had the opportunity to be together. Um, but we couldn't get much of a response from council or the mayor at the time. So uh, in terms of frustrating. In terms of refilling the ranks. Refilling the ranks or we would, uh, for example, come together, do some research, have a speaker, and reach a resolution of, you know, one thing or another. And we contact the council and say, hey, this is worth thinking. Or if it was more for the mayor, mayor, this is what we discussed. Would you like to hear about it or talk about it or come to our next meeting? Or, you know, it, it was just really hard to get their attention. And so it's an advisory body. You don't have power to set police policy, but you do a lot of thinking about it. Yep. You have meetings, as you said, and you advise the elected officials on what what they should be doing with police policy and you felt neglected yeah neglected and maybe uh maybe ignored would be a better word um but it, i i guess i don't know <laughs> i don't know what was happening behind the scenes it seemed like you know since since we were on the commission from 2020 the 20 the years 2020 2021 2022 those are big years um, and to have the mayor and the council not appoint members, I, it just seems like it was an important thing to do. Right. Um, and at a certain point, they, they just stopped appointing anyone. Like they decided we're not going to appoint anyone and it's called, the commission is called for an ordinance, but they just decided basically essentially to disband it without actually telling anyone that's what they were doing without taking a vote. Is that legal? I don't think so. Because the ordinance that's still the ordinance, at least as of today, says there shall be a police over police conduct oversight commission and it shall have this many members and the mayor shall appoint this many and the council this many. And um, under the law, shall means must. So they have to do it. And that's, you know, that's the law today. I understand it could change, but that's what should be happening. And I, I, 
I don't know why it wasn't, because every time I did meet with a council member, um, they would say they would be very effusive. Thanks for doing this. We really appreciate all the volunteers. Thanks for, you know, looking into these issues and leaning into them. No one ever mentioned to us, hey, you guys might be on hiatus, or maybe we should take a step back and rewrite the ordinance. Or You know, there was no notice or discussion about it whatsoever. So I don't know the thinking behind that. So you said that you thought uh, serving both on the conduct review panels, which are, can you explain what a conduct review panel is? Uh, I'll do my best. I think, I think what it means is a complaint comes in about an officer, something happened. Um, and then a group of people look at the investigative file, whatever evidence there is, like if there's a body camera, they look at that. If there's a, you know, like the sergeant reviewed it and then wrote something up, they would review that right up, you know, that kind of stuff. And then determine if there was misconduct or not and kind of elevate that then to the internal affairs or all the way up to the chief, kind of depending on how it, how the system flows. And then ultimately the chief is responsible for making a decision. Yes, this was misconduct or no in issuing discipline or not. And so you said that you thought it was a good thing to have commissioners taking on these dual roles of both serving on the conduct review panel and being commissioners, which as it stands now are two separate things with different civilians serving on these, these, the review panels and the commission that's going to be combined. You thought that was a good thing. So why do you, why do you think that's a good change? Well, one thing, so when we were on our commission, we would often wonder what's going on with the panel, the review panel, those folks, are they noticing any trends? Um, Or did they have to, so one thing that could happen is there could be a bad situation and everyone agrees it was bad and not handled well, but it, but the officer acted according to existing policy. So that's, so then the officer wasn't doing misconduct. It was called a policy failure. So, we on the commission were like, hey, are there any policy failures? Maybe we could fill some gaps there. Or is there one particular officer who has like a dozen complaints that we should be looking at? Or is there like, I don't know, one particular precinct, one particular building in the city, one block of the city? That I, we just thought that folks who are looking directly at the complaints and directly at the investigative files without revealing any specifics, like no names or dates or anything, but... Um, they might be able to tell us some trends. And my understanding is that our commission, like this, what we currently have today was started in 2012. And before that, in the before times, the oversight was all one thing together. It was called the Civilian Review Authority, but it was the review panel and then this policy piece. It was all together before. So this would be kind of going back to where it was before. So undoing, I think Cam Gordon refers to this as like undoing what Don Samuels did once upon a time, (laughs) but I'm not familiar with the the history like Cam is. Well, Cam knows the whole, he knows where the bodies are buried, that's for sure. But I do know that Don Samuels wrote the ordinance that we have today. And so as it stands, when the commission had enough members to actually have a quorum and hold meetings, what kind of access did you have to city data? 
Oh, see, that was another, that was, that was really the problem. That was the problem. We didn't have any access. We didn't have so any access at all. How do you, how do you do your, your tasks? Uh, it was very difficult. Um, we had to file. What they told us was, we're not going to give you any data. So you can file your own data practices request if you want. And then, you know, good luck to you with that. Or if you obtain data from other sources. So you, you're probably familiar with journalist Tony Webster. He gathered a whole bunch of data. And so I was able to review some of the data that he gathered, you know, things like that. But we never had independent access to data or any data coming or almost never coming from the city. It was something we had to get around the edges. And a lot of times, um, you know, the speakers who would come and speak to us would themselves provide information or statistics or, you know, treatises or what, you know, like whatever we were looking at. So we had to do a lot of our work, like outside of the commission and then bring our work to the commission meetings and share it with the group. Sounds like a lot of open sourcing and like community collaboration involved and not not so much help from the city. It was great working with all the community partners. And yeah. we had had, and there are a lot of really thoughtful, earnest, smart people on the commission. You know, we have paramedic, uh, immigration attorney, all kinds of different, a social worker, all kinds of different people from all kinds of professional backgrounds. Um, and they brought all that knowledge and experience to the commission. And when we were meeting, it was really good. It, it was uh, robust discussions for sure. Not to say we agreed on everything, but there was a lot that we did agree on. Um, and a lot of things that just made good common sense to move forward. So, um, and so when I hear the, the civil rights department brag about how good this firsthand experience on the review panels, which you admit is, is a good thing, but I don't see how that is a substitute or is adequate to the level of information and data you would need on this new commission to fix the problems you're describing with the old commission. Like if you're looking case by case and depending on if you're the person selected for an individual review panel, you have like isolated information related to that case. But I don't know that they're, are they creating a system where information is shared with this new commission? No. And ex the, they're expressly not doing that in uh, the new ordinance, even with the new amendments that you shared with me that came up in um, in the meeting yesterday, expressly say investigative data is only shared with city staff, city attorneys, and individuals, commissioners who are on those review panels, but not with the whole commission. And the commission itself is not going to get any data. And so you're right. If you're just looking at one investigation, one file, you, you don't have a sense of the whole. Like, take Derek Chauvin. He had something like 23 complaints. To this day, I don't know what all of them were about. And even if I had been on the review panel for those two years, or even if I had been on there for like 10 years, like those 10 years that he had all these complaints, I, there's no way I would have been in all 23 review panels. And plus a lot of those, yeah, a lot of those are handled only by internal affairs, not, they don't get the civilian review panel. And another big hole of this ordinance that's being put forward is, so the existing complaint review process is really convoluted and confusing and needs to be reviewed. And I'm like super happy they're looking at it and trying to make it better. But 
the new proposal just says there shall be a complaint review process. Civil rights shall develop one and the police department shall develop one. It doesn't provide any new details. In fact, in fact, it takes away whatever details there were, you know, such as they were not great, but it takes those away. And so now I, I don't know how complaints will be investigated going forward. And this ordinance doesn't tell us. So it might be that the civilian panels, even though they're great and have good people on them, only look at one out of 10 complaints. Yeah, I feel like that. I feel like this ordinance was dropped on us. The language we got to see on Monday public hearing where people are expected to testify and give feedback and council members are expected to like offer amendments. They only, we only got the language two days before that day. And then the full city council is supposed to vote on it, you know, Thursday in the week following the Monday when it was released. And that just gives me bad vibes in terms of like, what are you hiding? Why are you trying to rush this through? I don't want to accuse anyone of shenanigans, but like, couldn't we have had four weeks to look at this? Yeah, I think four weeks would have been appropriate, especially since they did have a couple of community meetings in November and they had um, like a PowerPoint presentation and sort of a summary of what this would be about, but it didn't have the ordinance itself. And if you compare the ordinance itself to what was in the sort of summary document, there's a lot of stuff missing. So people didn't have a chance, you know, we were caught pretty flat footed. We didn't have a chance to say like, oh, this is not a good idea. Or, hey, this is a good idea. Let me tell you how to fix this. Um, and that and that reminds me, I I know that civil rights staff is, is telling council and council aides that they, um, they talk to a bunch of commissioners and they talk to the chairs and... I just want to say they didn't talk to me when they wrote this and they didn't talk to the past two chairs um, before me. So I don't know. I didn't take a tally of everyone, but I talked to two other chairs and they said, no, absolutely not. No one contacted them. And, and your predecessor as chair was also uh, seemed unhappy with the things and probably would have some feedback to offer on how to fix things. Yeah. Uh, she had a lot of great, feedback. She was a great chair. Um, she was just texting me just just one idea that she had that wasn't included in this. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Why wasn't this included? You know, um, I don't I don't know what to say. I, I think looking at the ordinance and changing it is good. I want that to happen. We all wanted that to happen. We're like, this is not working. This oversight system allowed Derek Chauvin to exist for 10 years with no discipline and commit murder. So we need a change. Yes. But let it be a good change and a change that moves us forward and not backwards. Yeah. Another thing that I've heard as a pro is that people who serve on the complaint review panels now who are not commissioners on the old commission, uh, by connecting the two, you're kind of giving those review panels a public face. And I'm not sure how that works, because if I go to a meeting of this commission, I can't, like, hear from them about what they did on the review panel, right? Oh, no, not at all. And that's ex- that that's a big no-no. Um, for one, to be fair, they're probably looking at at least some non-public data, and they can't discuss that publicly. So that's just the way yeah. that is. And then for another thing, uh, it, it, the new ordinance specifically says... Uh, the review panels are not subject to open meeting law. They are not public hearings. They are not public meetings. So not, that's not going to be public. 
So I don't know. I don't know if I'm being unfair to unfairly characterizing the selling point, but it it seems like I don't I don't understand it. Have you heard it? Have you heard them saying we're gonna this gives a public face to the review panels? I haven't heard that. Okay. And I don't. Part of the thing of part of the thing the city is always telling us is. Those review panels, those investigative files is all very private data and it's locked down like Fort Knox. Like, no one sees this. So there, there's not, I, nothing about this proposal would change that. Okay. And, and, and that's appropriate. I mean, it, you do an investigation in private. You don't, you're not like putting the investigation file on Facebook and asking everyone to weigh in on it. I mean, that's not, it's not how it goes. I understand that. But so, Thinking about the time you were on the commission, would you have had time to serve both as a commissioner and on these review panels? It seems like a really big commitment of time for somebody who's only getting $50 a meeting. It is an immense amount of time. I think I could have done it because, well, particularly if there are actually 15 people, and there are, and they appoint all of the people they're supposed to appoint, so there's 15 people. So you might only do one review panel a month or every two months or something. I mean, again, this all depends on numbers that I don't have that, and a process that hasn't been spelled out and a process that they took out of the ordinance. So I don't know what it's going to look like. Um, I, I, I don't know. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. So if you were going to fix things and create a police accountability commission that, uh, Fix the problems that you saw when you were serving as chair of a police accountability commission. What, what, what should we, what should we be getting that we're not? Well, we need some independence, independence from the police department, independence, sort of political independence. So that could happen a couple of different ways. One, I don't think the mayor should be involved in appointing members because as we've heard so often, the mayor's the head of the police department. Whoever the, you know, Jacob Fry, whoever succeeds him, whomever. That person is the head of the police department. So for that person to control who's on the commission, even if they appoint exactly the same people I would appoint, there still is this appearance of, right. you know, trying to doctor the system a little bit. Yeah, essentially, this commission is to do oversight on whether the mayor is doing good, a good job in his role as the boss of MPD. Basically, yeah. And so before we get any further, we should say that the original draft of the ordinance was amended to give the mayor more appointment power. It went from like two two out of 15 mayoral appointments to seven out of 15. And that was done in exchange for upping the number of civilians versus police on the review panels. It, it was two and two, and now it's three civilian and yeah. two police. I, I think that... I think that's a raw deal. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't know that that helps anything, right. um, especially because also within the new proposal, it says that a quorum is a majority of the appointed seats, regardless of vacancy. So they're saying that there's going to be 15 seats, so a quorum will always be eight. So what if the mayor just decides he or she doesn't like how the commission is going and just doesn't appoint their his or her people, which is what's happening today. Right. And so there just are no people to review the files. 
I think they changed something about <laughs> the, the quorum language yesterday in an amendment, but I don't remember. Did you um, get a look at the whole packet? Just just what you sent me with those red lines. Um, okay. And then you didn't see that fixed in any of the red lines? No. So I look like the quorum. Oh, I know what you're talking about. It was in order to like have agenda items or agenda topics of dis- or formal actions... It has to be voted on by a majority of people present at that meeting, right. not a majority of the quorum, because that was like weird math. So I think that's is what it, you're talking about. So the quorum a, thing is still a problem. Okay. All right. And another thing is, I don't know if you noticed this, but uh, in the today, today, uh, MPD officers, former MPD officers can't sit on the commission or the review panels, uh, but they took that out. So now former MPD officers can be on this new commission and sit on the review panels as a civilian, not as a officer and sit on, you know, sit on the commission. Hmm. So the mayor could appoint seven police officers essentially. So I interrupted you and we were, we were talking about political independence was the first thing you said that it needed in this. This is kind of failing on that in terms of giving the mayor, you know, half the appointees almost. Yeah, and then they added this thing. Um, So today, a person can be removed from the review panel or the commission for misconduct, which, you know, makes sense, like if you share public, private data or something. But they changed it to all members serve at the pleasure of the appointing authority. So basically what that means is if the mayor or the council doesn't like you, they can just yank you at any moment, which is definitely not political independence. You know? Was that was that in the old commission? Was that also a thing there? No, 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 no. This oh. is this is the new edition. This is the uh, mm. this is the new. It seemed like bad thing. changes. You know what I would have appreciated is a to start with a red line document so I could, we could see what's yes. different from the old commission to the new one because that's where you're going to find the stuff. Yeah, you know, um, Paul Astro said that Paul, he's former former uh, president of council of course he's been on your show uh yeah. and and he's and he said that to me like he he asked me for the the marked up version and i said well i don't have one <laughs> i don't think one exists and he said right. that's crazy that's not how we change ordinances it's just not how it's done what otherwise your... you can't compare yeah it's it's impossible to follow especially if you're starting from a place of not being familiar and you're very familiar and paul ostro is a very smart lawyer guy what? Yeah. This is difficult stuff, and it seems like they're hiding stuff. One thing that stood out to me in yesterday's uh, – was it yesterday? Yeah, Wednesday? The uh, the amendment process was uh, Paul Masano was delivering uh, Council President Jenkins various amendments that she had arrived at during her conversations with the mayor. And one of, she described it as a minor change to the composition related to the appointing authority or something like that. Didn't, like, give the math. It would have been easy to say we're going from – from two mayoral appointees to seven, like that's not a long sentence to give. You didn't have to say, oh, this is just a minor one and not give the details. So I had to wait till after the meeting to actually see that they had upped the percentage. Now I know what Elliot Payne was irritated by just watching the meeting because <laughs> he could actually read it and I couldn't. So, yeah. Well, that, I mean, I think that's a problem for, uh, I think that probably violates the open meeting law for one thing. Because they're supposed to have all the materials sort of out so everyone can see them. Right. I was watching the stream, and so they had copies. They said everyone can come get a copy, but since I'm watching at home, I can't. I have no idea what's happening. 
Okay. Any any other things you'd want to see polit- besides political independence? Yeah. Number one thing we fought for all the time was access to data, access to data, access to data, and that's not included in this. And there's there's a really simple fix, and this is something we've advocated for. We did advocate for to the to the council was under the Minnesota Data Practices Act. So they cite that all the time and say, we can't give you this or that. Um, There's a provision. I wrote it down. Uh, There's a provision, Rule 12.05.0400, subpart 2, that says uh, individuals within an entity uh, whose work assignment reasonably requires access can access private, confidential, non-public data. And... uh, Real quick fix is just to say everyone on this commission is that individual. Like these are individuals who need to right. access data, and uh, there's a whole process within Open Meeting Law and within the Data Practices Act of how a public-facing body can review private data. Council does it all the time. The mayor does it all the time. You, when you're reviewing the private data, you close the meeting so that you're not, you know, leaking information, and then you kind of have that piece of the discussion, then you can kind of come back. So there's a whole process in place. It's existed for, I don't know, a long time, decades. And it's, uh, and it's an obvious thing. So to not yeah. do this, to not do this very obvious thing is very, it's intentional, right? I, I mean, it really feels intentional. <laughs> it yeah. really does. It really does, especially since we've lobbied so hard and we've lobbied for that particular provision. We're like, hey, there is a fix to this. There is a legal fix to this. We can do it. We've had guest speakers who wrote the Data Practices Act or parts of the Data Practices Act. It's possible. It's possible. And, I, you know, I, I, again, change the ordinance, please. Like, change the oversight system. Yes, I want that. There's good ways to do it. We can do it. So political independence, uh, access to data. Yeah. Two big things. Are there more things that we're missing? Um, yeah. So state law says that civilians can't issue discipline or make a finding. So like the finding comes from the chief. But it doesn't say anything about policy or, you know, anything else. So like just take discipline and put it off to the corner. There's all this other stuff that a civilian oversight commission could do. So one one thing that I would love to see happen is that uh, the mayor and the chief and the city attorney would have to get uh, uh, an affirmative vote from the commission before making any changes to the MPD policy manual. One thing that we saw happen, we were in the commission. So we discovered this whole coaching thing and coaching is discipline. Coaching is not discipline. We had this whole conversation. Uh, And then we... Lost quorum, couldn't meet again. And uh, while we didn't have quorum, the mayor and the chief changed the MPD policy manual to say that discipline is no longer mandatory. Discipline is now optional and coaching is a thing and coaching is not discipline and boom. And didn't say doodly squat to the commission about it. And I think the commission or the public it should have had some notice of that or some say in that and the the commission is the way that the public has a say because the meetings are public and you know you put these items on the agenda and the people come mostly the same people but people come and uh you know they offer their input and that's that's how it's a yeah it's a forum like information Mm -hmm. is is disseminated to the community somebody who was at the meeting 
hears about it and tells other people what happened. And it, like it's a forum for a back and forth between the executive branch and this oversight body, yeah. which I think is something we've really like I mourn in this transition to a strong mayor form of government. So much more would happen at the council, which is a public thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas the mayor's office is like, well, we've decided and here's a press release and this new thing is happening. And this is the first we're hearing about it because they decided today was, you know, the politically advantageous time to announce it. But there's no like give and take telling the public about it to get feedback. I think we lost a lot with that. I agree with you. Okay. Any any more things that we're missing? Um, you mentioned that it's quite a lot of work, um, in an ideal world, you know, there'd be some better compensation so that folks could do this. Like maybe there would be a dedicated staff to the commission. Um, one thing the clerk's office and the civil rights office told us is that they just didn't have enough staff time to do our research projects or like provide us data. And I hear that, you know, everyone's doing a lot of work. So, um, you know, funding and support that way. Uh, one idea some of the leadership of NACOL suggested is you could tie the funding for this civilian group, whatever it's called, directly to the police department budget. So like the oversight commission or whatever you call it has like 1% of whatever the police budget is. Something like, you know, it doesn't have to be 1%, but you know Are what you I mean? suggesting like, a police oversight minimum in the charter? <laughs> Yes, change the charter. Change the charter. (laughs) If we're going to have a police funding, a police staffing minimum in the charter, we should have a police oversight minimum in the charter. That's a good idea. I, you know, I like rules. What can I say? Uh, Any more? I don't want to leave anything out if you've got more. Um, well... I mean, I could go on for a long time. Okay. I think we those, hit the, we those hit are the, the big ones. Those are the okay. big ones. Yeah. Okay. Also, they've increased the number of commitments that the commissioners, in addition to serving on the review panels, they have to go to a conference every year. Oh, I missed the conference piece. That's what Is I it... saw on a slideshow presentation. I don't know if it made it into the ordinance, but. Uh... I know that they have to do training. We had to do a lot of training. Um some of it was canceled because the right when we were sworn in the pandemic hit right after that. So some of that was kind of a mess, but yeah, there is a lot of training. Um, for example, people on the oversight commission then, and probably in the future do the use of force training, the police use of force training. I think that's a good thing, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm not sure about the conference. It feels to me as we're having this conversation we're like we're getting a new acronym. We're doing some like sort of good things, but not really producing something that will change outcomes. I don't think. Um, I don't know how we'll. There's so many question question marks that I really don't think we know that answers. I mean, one thing that people came to the meetings and told us all the time, they're like. The complaint process is too complicated. I don't know what's going on. Got it. Good. Let's change that. But now it's just 100% open-ended and not an ordinance. So now there, uh, what's going to happen? I don't know. I, I don't know. 
I don't I don't know what it's going to look like moving forward. It could be that all complaints are reviewed purely by internal affairs and then up to the chief. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's something that lowers the stakes with these things is uh the chief has final stay and that's in state law, right? And so on discipline, yeah. Yeah. So but you were ma- you're making a good point that like the commission's like policy role it could change things that way. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, if they don't want us to sign off on the policy and procedure manual, um, maybe something like chair of the commission shall attend or shall update council the first of the month or shall update the mayor. The first. I don't know. There seems like there are ways to make it so that the mayor and the council and this oversight group communicate. Seems yeah. like that's possible. Here's a big overarching question on the politics of police accountability. Like everyone says they want it, but it's like, how much pain are you willing to endure to actually to make it happen? And I, I don't want to doubt anyone's sincerity, but like what what stops? I don't know. This is a stupid question. <laughs> but like, what, what stops Jacob Fry from doing the right or any mayor? We don't have to personalize it to Jacob Fry like uh what is getting in the way of of doing the right things? Like there's a bunch of like little and big things you could do to make this a more like meaningful change. And it seems intentional that we're not doing those things. They're too scary, too hard, I assume. And that's why we're not because uh, it doesn't make sense otherwise. What? I don't, I, I don't know the answer to that because particularly I mean, now we're a little bit away from it, but I mean, think back to the summer of 2020 when a police officer had committed murder in broad daylight and the city was on fire and just everything was on the table. Everything was exploding. Everything had to change. Everyone wanted that. Everyone agreed that something things had to change. I don't know why the mayor in that moment didn't just lean in and say, let's make some changes or the police department itself just lean in and say, let's make some changes because then they would have been able to hang it all on Derek Chauvin, you know, and they wouldn't have had to even say like, Oh, this is my bad. I shouldn't have changed this back in the day. (laughs) You know, like I should have done, they could have just said, okay, we're moving forward and here moving forward. We're doing all this stuff. Um, That would have been the right time and the easiest time to make choices like this. I think, um, the further we get away from that crisis point and the further we get away from this being in the public eye, I think the harder it's going to be to make changes. You know, I, it's hard to keep track of all this, even for people who are nerds and like to keep track of all this. It's hard. Yeah. And it's, it's such a, like, it's a, it's a moral problem for the city. It's like an existential problem financially. That we don't get a handle on this. One question I've been wondering about, and it's not really police accountability, but maybe it is, is like, who is leaving? Which which officers are leaving the city? What what kind of officers are leaving the city? Who are we left with that hasn't quit or hasn't gone off on PTSD? Because the, an argument from the mayor and the chief is that this is this is a great opportunity. The people who are here really want to do this job and they want to do it right. And that feels like a question you might be able to answer with data. 
like a police accountability commission, if it had access to data, could maybe answer that question? I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I think if we had more data, we could have answered that question because so much misconduct was hidden by coaching. Um, and we did have an open audit of coaching and which officers got coached and for what kind of stuff. So if we had been able to complete that, I think we would have known, oh, this officer was coached, like Derek Chauvin, seven times for excessive force. Oh, that's bad. Is that one of the people who left? Oh, good riddance. Oh, is that one of the people who's still a training officer? Ooh, uncomfortable. You know, um, I think that data would have helped. But, you know, taking my cynical brain and putting it to the side, I, I do think that if you're staying on the job, you've got to care at least a little bit. Otherwise, why do it? There's plenty of other police departments. I mean, you could do an easier law enforcement job. Easier law enforcement jobs exist. So I've got to believe that at least some part of you, probably most or all of you, wants to be here and wants to be doing the work. Um, I'm probably being a little, I don't know. I, I hope, it, I want that to be true. I want I everyone who's here to be true. To want to be here. Yeah. On that note, I read the Minnesota, there was a Minnesota reformer story where I think Dina Winter did a ride along, I think one night with, with MPD downtown. And there was like this anecdote about one cop who had transferred in from the suburbs after George Floyd was killed. And he's now like volunteering to do all the worst shifts. They can get no other cops to do these shifts, but he's the one volunteering. And I'm thinking like, what kind of person is this yeah. <laughs> that has moved in from the from a suburban police department uh, to take all the shifts nobody wants downtown? Uh, he, I, don't, I uh, that's not really a question. I just thought that was yeah. very interesting. It <laughs> is. Concerns. I mean, I guess I empathize with that guy who I don't know at all, and I'm just hearing from you a little bit. It kind of felt like that when I was a public defender. You know, all my lawyer friends in the fancy law firms were like why are you being a public defender? And I'm like, because I <laughs> love it. Yeah. And that's a weird thing to love, but I love it. So I guess, I don't know. Another question like that, that I would often get and still do when people find out I, I'm not from here originally is why did you move to Minnesota? Cause I'm from a, originally from a warmer place. It's like, mm. what's wrong with you that you live here with us now? Like so many people in the city, I moved here from Chicago and I, Ooh. you know, I, I was like, oh, trees, uh, open meetings. Look at all the boards and commissions that exist here. Chicago uh, is Chicago is just objectively a better city, though, right? Is, I mean, I miss the food every day of my life. I'm not going to lie. I miss the food. I miss I didn't the have transit. A car. I miss I the miss transit. The transit. I miss the transit. But hey, they've got their own police accountability problems. I mean, let's not it's true. shy away from that. Did I miss anything? I, f I have a great fear that I did not do this topic justice. Did I not <sighs> talk about something that's extremely important? I just, uh, I guess I just think it's weird that the Civilian Oversight Commission that right in its, right in the opening paragraph is supposed to be the the way that the community interacts with police and, and and provides feedback to the city has had virtually no opportunity for 
public interaction or feedback. You know, it seems very ironic that of all the things that are changing, this is the one that they're trying to push through really fast and no one can even see the ordinance before there's a public meeting. I, I'm sorry, I guess we've we've talked about that a couple different ways, but uh, it's tough. And I don't I don't see how they solve the neglect problem because I feel like you could just you yeah. do that all over again. It's they're the only same they're thing. only required to meet four times a year. That's actually less. Yeah. So, so I'm not I optimistic. I uh I I and I heard so I can't remember which council member said something like, Yeah, it's not perfect, but we like we can just change it or something. Vito. Vito oh. said that. Um I guess, you know, my reaction to that is well, hey, let's just take a breath and let's just get it to where we want it to be or where you, Council Member Vita, want it yeah. to be. You know, let's just make some changes now. It Sure, it shouldn't. It should never stay the same forever. There should be changes because sometimes you write something down and it just it's very different in real life. But let's at least start at a good place. Except the app, the appetite to reopen these like very politically hot public safety issues, not very great. So the chances that we will relitigate this, I don't see as very high. Also, uh, Council Member Vita says that I've heard her say that before about some of the government structure stuff. Like, let's just pass it. We can change it later if it doesn't work. And it's just, it's just an excuse not to do your job as a council member and like do it right the first time if you can. Well, yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> I think we should probably try to get it to where we want it to be at the first instance and uh, i did want to say one thing uh, a community member chuck turchik pointed this out to me uh part of the existing uh temporary restraining order between the department of human rights and the city is that the chief has to issue discipline within 30 days or make a disciplinary decision within 30 days something like that um, this new ordinance appears to violate that restraining order agreement so it, I think this new ordinance might cause more legal problems than it solves. So how do, how does it violate? Because the review panels will take longer than that, or it's it that's what it looks like to me, oh. and that there isn't like this thirty day requirement that that is expressly in the restraining order. So do the existing review panels comply with the the state's requirements? That I don't know. I don't know how often the civilian review panels are even meeting. I, I think most of these complaint reviews are happening within the police department, not by civilians. Okay. I think, but I don't have data on that. So, uh, do you do you want to give recommendations to people? I, I didn't prepare you for this, but like, do you, you do. have do you have things that you're enjoying in your life that you want other people to enjoy? It could be anything. There are oh, yeah. no no limits on this. A TV show, a book, music. Oh well, Great British Baking Show, obviously. Like, watch that pretty hard. Um, the other day, the the snow day we had on Tuesday, I took my daughter to school on a sled. That was pretty fun. Oh, that, that were you good. walking? Were you walking, walking and towing? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. And she even told me, "You're strong, Mama." So I felt pretty good. <laughs> I don't often, that's not the remark I typically get from my children, so I felt pretty good about that. Um, I think limiting my news intake is probably 
has been good for my mental health. Local um, or national or both? Actually, actually both. Because the local, because I was on this commission and I was so ingrained in it, it felt very personal and real and visceral. So I think kind of limiting my intake of that has been good. Um, That's good advice. Yeah. I've had that problem where I pay so much attention to the news and I take so much of it personally. And when bad things happen, it just, it gets to you. It does. Like, like this ordinance had felt, I was like, I felt emotionally sad not just like oh i wouldn't do that you know i felt like uh, yeah it, it was hard well the council can change it still yeah or vote um, it down or vote or it or delay it or say hey we'll do committee. this in a month or two months or something and that will be happening on thursday in the week that this podcast airs which is next week but it's this this when you listen to it it will be this week I didn't explain that right, but uh, well, Abigail, Sarah, did you have fun? I did have fun. I was really nervous about this, but oh, um, really, yeah. you go on, you go on like fancy. You haven't you been on TV? Yeah, and I got a lot of feedback about. Um, they told me I should have purchased a ring light, so I did for this interview. Oh, look, look. look at that! You were so well lit. Uh, <laughs> and they also told me. I should do more makeup and have fake eyelashes. I didn't do that. I don't. Who told you that? Uh, the producer for CNN. <laughs> I thought that was rude. rude. I thought that was rude. I thought that was presumptuous and sexist. Oh is that um, like a post interview? Like yes, it was wow. post. And I'm like, why didn't you tell me pre? Because now I look like you know whatever. Um, uh, the Canadians were way much nicer. I was on Good Morning. Ca- Canada or something. Canada, Canada Today. It was Canada Today, but it's like their Good Morning America is kind of like that. They were much nicer about it. I'm kind of flattered that you were nervous to come on here after being on Canadian TV. Yeah. I mean, this is the show everyone wants to get on. But this true. Is, yeah. <laughs> this is the endorsement everyone wants who's running for mm-hmm. office. They, yeah. I so. think so. We're, we're clipping this as a promo for, for the podcast. Oh, good. And ring you're lights. not you're not running for office, are you? No, okay. dude, I need a break. <laughs> I, t- I think I had too much information about the mean? city. I, like I couldn't just walk down the street and be blissfully unaware and just see my people and go to my coffee shop and like, hey, life is good. Like I, I like the whole time in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh man, this is happening and PTSD and jailing people with mental illness and there aren't any beds for psychiatric care like it was it was too much information it's a lot not running for office no okay we're at 53 minutes uh this this is the end of the show okay (laughs) i'm gonna edit it a little bit i Uh, hope so (laughs) (laughs) Uh, this has been the wedge lab podcast thanks to abigail sarah for coming on and and talking about something she knows a lot about uh, I'm your host, John Edwards. Thank you for listening. This is a real, real thing. Real, 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 real thing. None of you have the balls to stop. Stop this.
going on today? We're in the wedge neighborhood right now, 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 right now.